Mike Rags and Todd Burlage with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Well, hello again, everyone. It is the Blue Gold Report podcast brought to you by Dio McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. I am Mike Rags, going to bring in Todd Burlage, as we always do here on this extravaganza show. And we never thought we'd be here, but uh, Notre Dame undefeated, a bye week for them. They don't play a championship game, obviously, in a conference because they are America's team. Um, and uh, if we get to sit back and relax and watch everybody else sweat it out, and, and that's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to break that down. We'll talk about the college playoff scenarios. Uh, where they could go, who they might play, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of basketball to get to as well, as the women have a huge showdown coming up this weekend. And uh, number one against number two, as it always is, but this is a rare occasion where they're number one and UConn's number two. <laughs> so uh, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, lots to get to. Let's bring in Todd Burlage, who's fresh from the barber shop, And I've got a couple questions about that. But Todd, how you doing today? Not too bad. High and tight, man. So you, uh, yeah, that's right. Um, you just got back from the barbershop and you said that, the, you know, you barber, you chatted a little bit because he knows you're a Notre Dame guy. Uh, my question is that for the layman out there, for the fan, the average fan, what's their like? What's their buzz? What are they saying? What's their concerns? What are they excited about? What's what's the average fan saying out there? I think it's the same as what we're going to talk about. Everybody is kind of looking for a doomsday scenario. Right. Okay, Notre Dame's three. Is there some some way they could actually get? kicked out of the top four might right. they slide to four i think that's where all the speculation centers around a lot of it on this georgia if georgia beats alabama if deal. georgia then what yeah. yeah um and we'll we'll break down some of the uh, nightmare scenarios and i think you and i are both on the same page fall a notch maybe but they're not going to not make that they're going to be undefeated they're going to be there so I, I i think we both agree on that we'll talk a little bit more about that and of course uh, uh we've got to get some hockey in there too at the end along with men's and women's hoops uh we'll get to that usc game which was you know sweated out a little bit usc came to play there's no doubt about that but when all is said and done ian book became a superstar in my eyes that night and we'll talk about that too but first it is the Blue Gold Nuggets, and let's see what Todd has for us. All right, little three-pack rags, a little bit of a, snow, a slow news week. We talked at, uh, a little bit last week about Elijah Burns, the Notre Dame senior graduate, or soon-to-be graduate forward, leaving the program. He's going to go back home. Um, he's from the Albany, New York area. He's going to attend Siena. And again, since he's going to grab his degree in December, he gets to play immediately, Rags, which is pretty interesting. He could play as early as December 18th, finish up this year, and then he'll have a full year of eligibility next year. So good for him. You know, he saw the writing on the wall. He was kind of a victim of this youth movement, to say the least. He was averaging 5.3 points, 3.8 boards, only 11.3 minutes. You know, he's bought, he's put in his time. He wants a place where he can go shine a little bit, and you can't really blame him. So we wish him luck for sure. John Horta, uh, the 1964 Heisman-winning quarterback for Notre Dame, um, he continues to give back to the university. A lot of guys from that 64 team, that was Eric Parsegian's first year on the job. They continue to give back, do more and more. Uh, this week, he, he and his wife, Eileen, offered another $1 million gift. He's kind of, Horta's kind of into this grants and aid program. And what that allows him to do, it's kind of money that's just set aside. So when a student-athlete is in a scholarship buying, they need a little money, they kind of go on merit, okay? This guy's it's kind of used as it's needed. It's not just kind of set aside for one particular thing. So I think that's a good program. This is the second time that Horta's donated to this fund, so he has now a total of $1.5 million 
good for him. Uh, his quote was, you can't pay it back. You can only pay it forward. Um, he made his money. Uh, he opened up Arizona Tile back in 1977. Now he has 25 locations in seven western states, <laughs> and he's the largest importer of marble in the world. So there you go. You can take that with you big time. Uh, there, there's some stuff you won't hear on just any other podcast. <laughs> a, few, a, few, a few awards notes. Ian Book was named this week one of 11 finalists for the Manning Award, named after Archie Manning, not Eli or Peyton. Um, it's, it goes to the nation's top quarterback. Book has played in eight games, eight starts, 2,468 yards. 19 TDs, six interceptions. I believe he dropped to second in the country in completion percentage. He's right in the top five, those uh, still in pass efficiency rating as well. This award was started in 2004, and no Notre Dame quarterback has ever won it. When I saw him as a finalist, I assume maybe Brady Quinn had a shot at it back in the day, 05 or 06. It didn't happen. Just a couple other folks of note that are on this finalist list. Jake Fromm of Georgia, Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson, and Tua Tagvio, uh, <laughs> thank you, Alabama, that guy. That guy. Everybody just says Tua now anyway, so it doesn't, you Yeah, know. I was practicing on the way in, too, as you can see. So I actually think this is Haskins' award to lose, to be honest with you. The way he's been playing the wow. last few weeks, it's just been crazy how well he's been playing. Yeah, that Michigan game was something else. He's an amazing quarterback. I just hadn't seen a lot of him, to be honest with you. And just another side note on awards, uh, Chip Long has been named a Broyles uh, finalist as well. Um, I don't know if he's going to get this. Actually, Notre Dame's production offensively, believe it or not, maybe it was because of uh, uh, Brandon Wimbush dragging him down a little bit early on. It's actually slipped a little bit from last year. But Chip Long, obviously, earning his wares here at Notre Dame as a fine, fine offensive coordinator. And those are your blue gold nuggets. Uh, which is weird because their offense does seem a lot more formidable than it has it in does, the past years. Yeah, uh, I think, well, I think we just, maybe the running game, seventh in the country last right. year, lulled you to sleep a little right. bit. Well, let's you know. You know, after watching the USC game, you thought maybe JT Daniels would be up for the Manning Award the way he played, and I was really surprised at how well uh, he executed the offense. Uh, he threw for almost 350 yards in a TD, and and you got to hand it to USC. They did come to play. Yeah, it was no joke. You know, you had a little concern that you know what? I don't know if they're going to show because <laughs> you know the the bull the bull bid doesn't mean much. And but you know what? You can tell that they took it seriously. They wanted to knock Notre Dame out, and they just didn't have the firepower to do it. And like I said. A couple of the runs Ian Book made, and especially the one where he lowered his shoulder and got the first down. I mean, everybody knows that play I'm talking about. I think he really became a superstar there, uh, Todd. And he was able, he kind of said, hey, jump on my back. I'm going to win this game for you. Yeah, pretty interesting. A couple unsung heroes here that you're not used to hearing about. Chris Fink had a great game. Yeah, his career good, game, yeah, seven yeah. catches, 87 yards. Obviously, that key 24-yard touchdown uh, catch that made it 10-7 when Notre Dame was trailing 10 nothing. Yeah, you're right. USC came to play. And to go to your uh, JT Daniels situation, he was—he looked like a world beater. He, he really looked good. Did. He did. 37 for 51, 349 yards, one TD. The 37 completions, Rags, is the most all-time by a USC quarterback, single game. You know what? That's what I, when I watched him, he looked like a USC quarterback. He, you know, he looked yeah. like the breed that they always put out, and I was really impressed. It's the second most a Notre Dame defense has ever given and up And he's a true well. freshman, too, right? He yeah. is a true freshman, yeah. Yeah, so uh, obviously maybe something to build on. I don't know what Clay Helton's future is there. Um, but yeah, it, it, what else did I... <laughs> Dexter Williams just continues to come up big. You know, his 52-yard touchdown run here, um, what was that? Early in the third gave Notre Dame a 14-10 lead. Kind of showed that the Irish weren't going to panic, and then they never trailed after that. Man, this guy has been king of the long run this year. I wrote it down here. Uh, Had a 45-yard touchdown against Stanford. 
two against Virginia Tech, one for 31, another for 97. Mm. Uh, had a 32-yarder against Syracuse, and then a 58-yarder and another 32-yarder against Florida State. It's become almost their staple, and I brought it up yeah. last week. It's boom, big run, and uh, whether it's for score or not. And, and it seems like they're game, you know, when you have those big hits, those big touchdown runs, Rags, it's, it does seem to they, they seem to be game changers. Those yes. seem to be yes. those seem to bother teams more than even a sustained drive. Yeah, and speaking of game changers, you know, we talk about Drew Tranquil a lot here and uh, how much he's playing with grit and all that stuff and playing hurt, but I mean, that transfer student, Gilman, what a pickup because he is all over the field and he did it again on Saturday last week. The kid can play. That was a really was a great pickup for BK. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And they had, as they, you didn't realize, um, I did a story on Nick Coleman who started every game last year. I think he may have missed one start, but he played in all the games last year uh, as a defensive back. He's just a spot hitter now yeah. because of, you know, Houston Griffith and Alohi Gilman. So the talent has been upgraded. Across the board, um, you know, BK was asked about this is kind of a two layered clip here. He talks a little bit about the grit that it took to hang in there against USC, not panic. And he just kind of gives you sort of a broader look of the entire season as he kind of reflected a little bit on finishing 12 and 0. We, we had no conversation about implications of uh, in playoffs. All we talked about was what we needed to do to continue this journey of uh, winning football games week in and week out. Um, never did we talk about the implications of what if we lost, what if we win. We, I don't know that we talked once this year about uh, winning football games. We talked about what we needed to do to play to our standard. You know, we've had different games each year, uh, each week, excuse me, in terms of where we've played really well, dominated our opponent, or have had a- an easy way of it, if you will. This game, our guys needed to have a sustained effort for four quarters and had to be gritty. And, you know, they, they had that trait today. And, and there's different ways to win a game. Uh, today they showed that. So I'm really proud of them. It's hard to win 12 games. Uh, there are so many things out there that can distract not only kids, but coaches, and, and just really, really pleased and, and proud of my football team. And 12 wins is uh, it's hard to do. Indeed, 12 wins is hard to do, especially with the zero losses. And with that, Brian Kelly becomes only the third Irish coach in history to take uh, to lead an undefeated Irish team uh, multiple times. Twice now, yeah. Yeah, Newt Rockney did it five times, Frank Leahy twice, and now Brian Kelly twice. And actually, if you inclu- include Brian Kelly's undefeated season at Cincinnati, I believe it's he and Urban Meyer are the only two coaches in the country to have led two different teams to undefeated season. Meyer's done it, of course, with three teams. Yeah, so. and, we, and we and we scoffed and made fun, but correct me if I'm, wrong, if I'm wrong, but did he not give the game balls to the strength and conditioning coaches? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, we made fun because, you know, every year they're fading in November, but, you know, it goes unnoticed, you know, it, it doesn't go not noticed that he did that, and I thought that was a smooth move. Yeah, for sure. Matt Bouse has made a lot of difference. You know, I think the first year under strength coach, which was last, uh, you know, after the 2016 to 2017 season, you have big dreams and you start to see some improvement. But I think that focus and then that regimen really starts to take in year two. And that's, we, you know, we were all worried about November all year. Yeah. Well, guess what? They they basically rolled through other than a tough one here they, against USC. And remember, people that scoff at their schedules, these schedules are made way ahead of time. 
We're looking at it before the season started. And um, by the way, we didn't realize all this was going to go down. And I will note that if no, if Northwestern and Pitt both win, they would have beaten two conference championships coming up. So uh, before we say, hey, what would they do really? But that's that's something if it happens. They're two division champions, to say the least. Um, sure. Uh, and, and, and they beat Michigan, even though Michigan, my God. <laughs> Urban Myers got Harbaugh's wow. number. Oh, well, let's talk now uh, about the the uh, the college football playoff rankings. Obviously, there's one more to go here, Todd. Before I think December second, we'll find out who's going where and when and why and how. And uh, you know, there there is scenarios. You and I both believe that something might shuffle around. I want before we get there, Rags. I want to back up a little bit because I think you brought up a good point, and I wanted to talk on it anyways about how. You know, you can't predict schedules. You can't predict strength of schedules ever. I mean, think about it. Notre Dame's schedule has actually played out. It's really fluctuated as the yeah. season has gone yeah, on. You know, it really you, has. Before the season, you thought it was going to be uh, awesome, and then, you know, it kind of flickered a little bit. But now you're talking about seven teams on this Notre Dame's 12-game schedule that are already bowl eligible. And if Virginia Tech beats Marshall, True. that will make it eight. Now, what I, what's, what I, I bring this up because I think it's pretty fascinating that when you're talking about all these teams that are bowl eligible and there's only potentially three teams that are not on Notre Dame's schedule, the three teams are USC, Florida State, and Navy. Traditional teams that usually get bowls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Florida State's been in every bowl for 37 Even years. Even Navy has gotten a pedigree of always getting to a bowl game, which is, is an anomaly that they're of not. Of course, yeah, yeah. It really is very much so, all three of those teams. So I thought that was interesting that when you looked at the schedule beforehand and you, you, and you would have picked out eight bowl-eligible teams – those three would have been on your list, so, you know. But who would have seen a nine-win Syracuse yeah. team coming? Those types well, of things. And then every week, it's like, well, that team, uh, well, they could give Notre Dame trouble. That would be a nice blip, and that'd be a good win. And then once they win, they're like, well, you know, that team was never really that good. Like Syracuse is a great example of that. Watch out, they're ranked twelve now. You never know. This will be one. And then when they crush them, it's like. Well, you know, yeah, they exactly. weren't really much. You know, what did they? who did they beat? They didn't really beat. I'm like, you know, you can't win for losing. No, no, but then they come back, and who did they, I mean, who did they, they squashed a pretty good Boston College team yeah. this past weekend, so they bounced back well. You know, Notre Dame going into last week and going into the USC game was the only team in the country to have beaten four top 25 teams. That's impressive. Yeah, they, obviously they were 4-0. Now, because Pitt lost to uh, Miami, they got knocked out a little bit. But even so, when you look at Notre Dame's three top 25 wins, uh, Alabama now has four, so Alabama leads the way there. But when you look at Notre Dame's three top 25 wins, uh, number seven, Michigan, 24 to seven, number 20, Syracuse, 36 to three, and number 21, Northwestern, 31 21, the margin of victory over its, those three ranked opponents is 16.7 points, okay? This, I think this was worth noting. Clemson beat its two, Clemson is 2 and 0 against top 25 teams. They beat those two by a combined six points, a combined wow. six points. And Oklahoma, uh, their their two wins over top 25 teams were combined 13 points. So it goes to show you, you can dog Notre Dame's schedule out, but even so, when they're playing ranked teams, they're not only winning, they're winning impressively. And you can dog them not being in the conference, but they are the only team outside of, you know, they are the only team that has to go undefeated to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't get the benefit of losing. They have to win every game because they're not in a conference, in a conference championship. And, and and that is a major disadvantage. I don't care what anybody says. And going 12-0 and means a little bit more when you're not in a conference. Absolutely. And you don't schedule the Citadel before a big rivalry game. Let's put it that way. Well, here's Brian. 
Brian Kelly tied at talking halftime, about. though. Tied at halftime. Yeah, it was tied at halftime. <laughs> Upset alert. So uh, this is Brian Kelly. Just This is kind of a broader look at how he got to where he is. You know, we didn't reinvent the wheel here. Um, we, we, we got our players to play at a higher level, better execution. And so behind the scenes, we did make some tweaks. But the players need to get – they've won 22 out of the last 25 games on, and on the backs of players making plays. We, what we were thinking about is what were the subtle changes that we needed to make internally because we had a strong core of young players that needed to be developed, and we saw that today. If we didn't have this strong core of young players that needed to be developed, we wouldn't be winning 22 out of our last 25 games. We'd be going, hey, we made a lot of great changes, and we're still – Seven and five. To win every week and the schedule that we play, I mean, we just, we're in L.A. this week, I think. We're like an on-Broadway show. We open up in a city near you. Uh, we were in New York last week, Chicago, San Diego. Uh, travel affects people, uh, and it doesn't affect this group. So if you give us a little bit of a rest and allow us to play in a neutral site, uh, I think we'll play even better. And another thing, when you're not in a conference, you travel a hell of a lot more, and that's something else they did. You know, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, California twice, Chicago mm-hmm. and New sure. York. I mean, these are, this is they are road-weary, and other schools don't have to do that, Todd. No, they don't, and you talked about it right there, and that's another challenge that Notre Dame faces that a lot of other ones don't. I mean, I broke it down last week. I believe Notre Dame traveled 10th. I'm working a little bit off the top of my head, but 10,300 round-trip miles during its schedule this year. Uh, I remember that Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama didn't travel more than 2,500 round-trip miles. So, you know, I did. I, I, I liked how Brian Kelly boasted a little bit in that clip about saying, hey, you know what? Give us a little rest and a neutral site game and look out. I thought that was pretty cool. And you can't say you got to go undefeated and then when they do say, well, wait a minute, you can't do that. And then they, no, and they I don't, I'm not, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't apologize for their schedule ever. All right, Todd, let's talk about these scenarios. And, and you look at these bowl games, too. To me, this is the perfect argument for go to six, go to eight teams because these bowl games are uninspiring to say the least. You got Northwestern Ohio State, you got uh, you got Pitt, who's going to get absolutely annihilated by Clemson. I mean, it's just kind of ho hum. Where some of these teams, you know, like the UCFs of the world, it'd be kind of nice to have them play, let's say, a Clemson or or a Notre Dame, and then that. Uh, what I would like to see them do is one and two get buys, three, four, five, six play, mm-hmm. and then that way you give them a little bit of a advantage for being one or two and then you give a team like UCF a shot because you don't want UCF Alabama first matchup of the playoffs you don't want that so you can't go one through eight I like one through six get a couple of games under your belt UCF wins that first game then they can say hey we're with playing with the big boys and then you get a chance to play Alabama that might not be a bad next step because I like your idea of giving those top two teams kind of a little you you know a little bone for doing what they did for becoming one of those um I'm still an eight Team guy because yeah. you can get your five it's power easier. conferences yeah, in. You know, yep. again, if Georgia wins this game and Notre Dame, Georgia, and Alabama go and Clemson, you're leaving out what? You're leaving out four of the power, power five, five conferences. Yeah. And I don't think that was the intent when all this started. Uh, but I've been, you know, it's been a lot of buzz about you know, is is there any way to get Notre Dame out of here? 
I can't find it, Rags. I, I just, I just, there's just nothing that would happen. Ohio State can't be pr- impressive enough, as you mentioned off air. Hey, they got beat by Purdue for crying's yeah, sake. They're not in. I'm sorry. I don't care yeah. what they do. I don't think they're. They should. They almost lost to to Maryland. Yeah. And they they Nebraska, one of the worst teams in the conference, played them tough. Yeah. And it, I don't know that. I, I just I watched Oklahoma play last week, and I am just I I they they don't pass the eye test like me when it comes to Notre Dame. They just don't. And and then you look at Michigan now, and you're like, well, they. Michigan. Well, who did Michigan beat exactly this year? Penn State, who sucks. You know, there's really Michigan doesn't have too many impressive wins under their right. belt to start pumping your chest about how good None that win was. No, do, you know, and, and I think that goes to your point of uh, the anomaly of of uh, one through eight. You know, that kind of thing is it what. It'd be better now to have the best eight teams be in it because you get these other teams that are just floating around out there because they're in a big conference and, and and they get the benefit of the doubt. I don't think they should get the benefit of the doubt. I'm just, this is the least inspired I've ever been about conference championship weekend. I mean, big time. Alabama, I mean, Alabama, Georgia, that's a cool game. I mean, obviously, that's a lot of eyes are going to be on that as they should be. But Alabama's still a thirteen point favorite in that thing. You mentioned Clemson, Pitt. Clemson's a twenty seven and a half yeah. point favorite in that game. What even, else do we have? Even, oh, Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, even worse, do you see the Pac 12 championship? It's Utah versus Washington. I mean, every, the whole year, everybody's talking about Washington, Washington State's the only one that had a real chance. They're not even in the championship game. That game, who's watching that tomorrow on, on Friday night, tonight? Oh, is that tonight? Yeah, it's tonight. <laughs> or if you're listening on ESPN radio, it happened last night. So I don't know. I don't even. I didn't stay up for it, so I don't know what happened. It's a joke. <laughs> That's funny. Oklahoma is an eight point favorite over Texas. That could be a little ornery. Uh, but then Ohio State, a fourteen and a half point favorite over Northwestern. So because that none of these are marquee games other than Alabama versus Georgia, one versus four. There's to me. I, there's just no scenario where Notre Dame should ever no. lose its lose its footing at number three. I can't find it. Now, let me bring it up. It, it goes a little. It doesn't necessarily entail Notre Dame so much. But we talked about before we went on air, and I want you to address it again because I like some of the things you said. Now, if Georgia does indeed beat Alabama, everything else holds steady. You had suggested that they might Georgia might end up two, Alabama maybe three, but. We both agreed that I just can't see the, the committee's committee. not going to want to play in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, I just can't see that. So I, I just I'm having a I, I'm having a tough time getting Notre Dame out of that three hole. But if some other things shift around, maybe they do go to four. I doubt it though. Yeah, I could see them go two just out of goodwill. There but you then, go. You know, Fair and and but uh, yeah, I don't see it either. And that's probably more likely. Actually. And that's more likely than anything else. Clemson would go to one. That's if Alabama loses, which I don't think they will anyway. And in fact, you could make the argument if, if Georgia plays them tough and loses, they could still be the four seed the way things might play out. If Oklahoma loses, that kind of thing, you could make the argument, well, Georgia's still the fourth best team, and isn't that what the committee always said they're looking for? They're looking for the four best teams in the league when they go to the uh, the, to the bowls, and, and Georgia, you could make the argument, if they play tough and lose Ooh. by a field goal, they could be the four seed. Could you imagine the fallout if an Oklahoma or an Ohio State would win <laughs> and they want to they take well, Georgia? Yeah, <laughs> I say that with a caveat of, of one of those two, but I tell you the truth, a one-loss Georgia Georgia team is better than a one-loss Ohio State team. I don't care the way, any way you cut it. But that'd be a two-loss Georgia team at true, that point. True, true, That is a good point, yeah. So it, a lot of different scenarios. I think we're safe. I think we could take a breath and, and relax a little bit. Um, there's really no way. I mean, if you really want to get creative, try to find a way to get UCF in that four slot. You, I mean, you could have everybody lose and somehow they get in there, but they lost their quarterback. They're not going to get that four seed. There's no way the committee would ever do that. Um, I think Notre Dame's pretty darn safe. So I think the next 
And what you discuss next is location. I think it's been common belief that indeed Notre Dame will be in Miami um, as the three to play the two Clemson at this point. But, you know, it's interesting because, and that's pretty, that's the most likely scenario. Um, But you could end up with a situation where if Oklahoma comes in, okay, and then Alabama playing the four seed then in uh, in Arlington, Texas. The other one is obviously, uh, like I said, in, in Miami. You could end up with a scenario if Oklahoma gets in as the four, yeah. okay, and that's not a very that's that's a no. I think that's quote, what's going to happen. That's to be honest with you, yeah, happen. I think that's what's going to happen. Now, Oklahoma is only where is it here? It, they are right down the road from Arlington, Texas. As a matter of, uh, matter of fact, six hundred miles away. Or no, I'm sorry, that's Alabama. What the heck did I do with that? I had this all nope. ready to go. 100, 196 miles yeah, from Oklahoma close. to Arlington, Texas. So yeah. now you're thinking, I, I think if, if Oklahoma game? gets in, Alabama's one, that they will shift and they'll play Alabama in Miami and then Notre Dame will go to Arlington, Texas. So that remains fluid because they do try to, they, they do give the regional gotcha. advantage to the higher seeds. That's gotcha. the one thing they do. So they, I think they'd be uncomfortable having a, having a team, especially a four seed, less than 200 miles from home playing. I think that's fair. Yeah, so that's, fair. So that's just something for folks to keep an eye on when this all this comes out Sunday. I think, uh, safe to say, it'll be Alabama versus Oklahoma, Clemson versus Notre Dame. That's what I see. And and then you just swap where they're at. And, I absolutely yeah, believe it would swap where, where they go. Yep, I think that's what we'll end up seeing. But that's why they play the games. All right, Todd, we've got a little bit of time to talk about some hoops. Uh, the men, they had the you know, Big Ten ACC Challenge. It wasn't pretty. Um, they let Illinois get back in the game, but they did get a win against the Illini. Yeah, up 13 points in the second half. There, It was a little bit disappointing. I took my daughter to that game, um, but they got it done. 76-74, Illinois came on like gangbusters down the stretch there. Uh, four straight wins now for the Irish. They're 6-1. and one. Nice get, a Power 5 win. It was actually Notre Dame's first Power 5 game. Um, I I was encouraged by uh, junior forward Juwan Durham. He's the, he's the Connecticut transfer. And he's also, even though I said he's a junior, he's still part of that youth movement. Yeah. Because he's still, this is like his sophomore year of eligibility. So he has three years here. He did a nice job. Ten points, but I think more important were his five blocks. Notre Dame has not had a presence, a rim presence like like Durham since Ryan Humphrey. And that was a long wow. time ago. So this guy's disrupting shots, did a lot of things, really sparked a nice run for Notre Dame. couple areas of concern. First of all, 13 to 26 in the second half shooting free throws. That's unacceptable. And again, another another instance of going against Mike Bray's character and his team. Eleven assists versus sixteen turnovers. So there's still a lot of growing pains on this team. Gibbs and DJ Harvey, uh, they each had 19 points. That was a career high for Harvey. Um, they get a little time off finally because it's been a busy stretch for them. They will place Tuesday at Madison Square Garden versus Oklahoma, 7 p.m. Oklahoma's also six and one in the Jimmy V Classic, so and, and that's where the that's where the men stand at this and point. And you look at the women. I mean, uh, it, goes, <laughs> it goes to show you the the difference how top heavy women's basketball is. They absolutely annihilate number fourteen Iowa yeah. by forty points. Erica Ogumbawale goes off. I mean, there there was no drama at all in that game, Todd. Yeah, she had thirty points as you mentioned. One hundred five seventy one was the final score. As you as, as again as you mentioned, Iowa ranked number fourteen. <laughs> so much for that. All of Notre Dame's five starters had double digit nights i think what jumped out at me is the most is marina mabry she's mm-hmm. back and doing well 18 points they need her health for this weekend but before we get to yukon 
I do want to back up, too, because the Notre Dame also, over the holiday, uh, the Thanksgiving weekend, uh, won the Vancouver Showcase. And Jackie Young, you know, we can just go down and down the list of great players here. She ended up uh, the national ESPNW National Player of the Week. She averaged in those three games 20.7 points, 6 rebounds, 6.7 assists. Uh, the wins came over Gonzaga, Drake, and number 9, Oregon State. Interestingly, that Oregon State game was Henri Rags. Uh, Notre Dame was down 14 points in that, and then wow. ended up coming uh, back to win 91-81. They returned to home Sunday, 4 p.m., right here at home, UConn, number two. Doesn't get much bigger than that. Uh, we're, we're almost out of time. Real quick, touch on the highlights of hockey and soccer that you wanted to get to. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a couple of them here, if only I could find them. Here, here they are. Uh, nope, there they aren't. Let's see here. <laughs> soccer. Uh, I want to start with soccer because Friday, 7 p.m., it's a biggie. Um, Notre Dame goes to IU. This is the NCAA quarterfinals. For, so this is for a spot in the, in the College Cup, the Final Four. It's ob- making it, obviously, a biggie. Um, it'll be on Big Ten Network+. Plus. I was at the game that they played here at Purcell Pavilion earlier. Notre Dame was up one nothing late in that one um, and then ended up uh, losing 2-1 to one to IU in overtime. So certainly they match up well. Uh, that'll be one worth tracking for sure. A couple of great teams. Notre Dame got to this point by beating Michigan 11-10 to wow. in a penalty kick shutout. That's not oh, your final yeah, score. Yeah, it was yeah, 0-0, yeah, yeah. but 11-10, to that was a, an epic finish there, especially with the goalies uh, put up against it. And then they beat number 10, Virginia, on a last-second shot of overtime number one. So they've wow, been a little bit of awesome. cardiac kids uh, getting to this point. And the Irish, the number 8 Irish hockey pokes, they will host... RPI. I looked it up for you, Rags. I just said RPI last week. I thought I'd better bring a little more than that. <sighs> Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. It's a team that's 4-7. and seven. They put them on their schedule every year. It gives Notre Dame a little bit of a break from Big Ten action. All right. Well, uh, that, that's that's all she wrote. We're out of time. Thanks again to D.O. McComan's Sons Funeral Homes. They are a proud sponsor of the Blue Gold Report podcast. When we talk next week, we'll have a lot more to say about where they ended up in the college football rankings and where they're playing in the semifinal games. Todd, we'll do it again again next week. Sounds fun, man. This has been a presentation of Opt-In Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.